Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Here's the good news. You ready for it? Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. Do it right. Do it right. Here's a, a more good news. More good news. Can you believe it? More good news. Romans 8, 37, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Put that pen down and clap those hands. Come on. Come on. You at home. Come on. We are more than conquerors because we're In Christ Jesus, the phrase more than conquerors, you want to write this down? The phrase more than conquerors means we keep on conquering. It actually means we keep on conquering to a greater and greater and greater degree. We keep on conquering or we are hyper conquerors. Hashtag hyper conquerors. I love it. We are more than conquerors. We are super abundant conquerors through Christ Jesus. And let me tell you this. Pharaoh found that out. Don't you know? Pharaoh found out that no weapon formed against God's people will prosper when he was chasing Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's army was drowned in the Red Sea. Hmm? Hmm? Joseph's brothers found that out, that no weapon would be formed against them will prosper when they put Joe in a pit. King Nebuchadnezzar found it out when the fire consumed his men and Haman is going to find it out as the gallows will be built to kill the Jews. The gallows that he built to kill the Jews will actually kill him over. You know, my mama used to say, if you dig one ditch, you better dig two. What y'all learn at church today? Pastor said, if you dig one ditch, you better dig two. You know, folk like to dig a ditch for you now. I ain't talking about it here because we're all loving Christians. Well, people like to dig a ditch for you. You better dig, dig two. Haman's building a gallow for the Jews. You better build one for yourself. Over and over and over, we're told that Haman, I told you to hang on to this, is an agite. Just write it down. Chapter 3, verse 1, we learned that. Chapter 8, verse 5, we learned that. Chapter 9, verse 24, we learned that Haman is an agite. We're told over and over, it must be pretty important. The Holy Spirit wants us to know that this is not some small detail. Why? Because we know from history, here it is, saints, that Haman hates, Haman's hate and racism toward Mordecai and all Jews come from the fact that he is an agite. We have to go back a thousand years. 1445 BC, Jews are coming out of Egypt. It's in Exodus chapter 17. And they're leaving Rephidim, and the Amalekites attack them. 
The Amalekites were the descendants of anybody know Esau, the one who sold his birthright. The Amalekites attacked the Jews and God curses the Amalekites, Deuteronomy 25. It's 400 years later. King Saul conquers the Amalekites and God told Samuel to go and tell Saul to kill all the Amalekites, men, women, boys, girls, uh, a dog, cat killed a goldfish, kill everything, kill anything that is connected with the Amalekites. Don't leave a trace, God said. Saul allowed the king of the Amalekites, King Agag, to live. Remember, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 15. There's your homework. Read it in your own time. Samuel comes to Saul and he said, Saul, did you do all the Lord commanded? And Saul said, Absolutely. Samuel said, then why do I hear the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen? Samuel looks over and he says, and who's that guy? Saul said, oh, that's King Agag. I thought I'd keep him for a trophy to torture him. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 32, Samuel said, bring Agag to me. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces in Jesus' name. As the, as the kids say, that was gangster. <laughs> Hacked into pieces. Now, the Canaanites, listen to this. I'm going somewhere. The Canaanites, the Amorites, the Amalekites, the Agites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, and all the other ites, in Scripture, they represent sin and the flesh. Write that down. The enemies of God's people. When they went into the land and they had all of the battles that they had to endure among all the pagan peoples, they represent sin and they represent the flesh in the Bible. Agag represents the sin and the flesh. The Bible tells us as believers that we are to do what with our sin and our flesh. Romans chapter 8 tells us that we are to, where y'all at this morning? That we are to mortify the deeds of the flesh. The Bible does not tell us to go to rehab for our flesh. The Bible does not tell us to reform our flesh. The Bible doesn't tell us to do anything to our flesh, but to kill it. Don't reform it. Don't resurrect it. Kill it. The Bible says, put it to death. Now watch this. The curse on the Amalekites was a thousand years ago. And hacking to pieces the king of the Agites was 400 years ago. Haman, listen up. Got to get this. Haman knew his family's history. He knew it was a Jew who killed his family member. And in chapter two, verse five, we learned Mordecai is a Jew, the son of Kish. Kish is from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin is of the line of Saul. Get it? They both knew their history and there was a deep seated racism. Deep seated racism. Now, I've said this before in previous studies. I don't know, maybe two, three months ago. I said this before, but I do think it's worth repeating. As long as man is in existence. And as long as man exists, racism will be among us. Listen to me close. Pray for me, honey. It is impossible to eradicate racism. And as hard as people may try, 
And as noble an effort as people may give it, the good old college try, we're going to try to eradicate racism. You can never erase racism because racism is an issue of the heart like every other sin. And I always tell you the heart of the matter is the. Am I right about it? You can't get rid of racism. Now, what we can, absolutely, we need to love each other. Absolutely, we don't need to be racist. Christians aren't racist. Somebody say amen. And if, and if you're a racist, ma'am or sir, you are not a Christian. Yeah, I said it. If you're a racist, you're not a Christian because Jesus died for the sin of the whole entire world. Red, yellow, black, and white, we are all precious in his sight. Jesus loved the kids. Y'all ain't hearing me. I'm about ready to preach now, all right? He loved the kids. Jesus loved the kids. All the kids. So if you're racist, you're not like Jesus. I'm on Facebook. Y'all know I'm on Facebook from time to time. Man, I tell you, people be coming for me. Coming for me. You know why? You know why? Because I will not say what the Bible does not say. I will not do that. People coming for me. Let me tell you something. I think in the last two days, last two days, there's this, this one guy. I don't know what his problem is. And some of y'all saw one feed. It was despicable. Despicable. Just unbelievable. I have been called a Nazi. A racist. I've been called homophobic. I have been called transphobic. I have been called evil and ungodly. You're not a Christian. You're not filled with the spirit of God. You are turning. And this was a Christian, he said. You're turning people away from God. It's because of people like you that people don't want to come to Jesus. And they don't want to become a Christian because of people like you. And this guy said, I'm all of these things. I'm like, bro, bro, huh? Did you check my profile? I am black. I am not a Nazi. Ay, ay, ay. It's like, and all these woke, tolerant, accepting people as soon as you say something that they don't agree with, then they got to start calling you all these ad hominem attacks. And let me ask you a question, sir. Who is the real racist? Who's the real racist? I didn't call you any names. I would never call people names. I don't call people names. I don't have to call people names. I don't have to use bad language. My mother said people who use bad language lack the ability to, to use proper words. That's why you start telling people all oh, you, you this, that, you that, this, that, and the other. Boy, bye. I'm none of those things. But I will stand for truth and I will stand for righteousness and I will say what God's word says and nothing more and nothing less. Racism, the issue of racism can only be fixed by Jesus. Somebody put that Bible down, clap your hands. Huh? Can only be fixed by Jesus. I read this a while ago. I got to read it to you again because I love it. 
The Republicans can't fix it. The Democrats can't fix this. The government can't fix this. But Jesus can fix this. And if we get churches doing what they are called to do, we can change this. Am I right about it? Jesus and his people are not racist. Well, let's get back to it. If Agag, listen, represents the flesh, go back there. If he represents the flesh and Samuel hacked to pieces King Agag, then that brings us to the question, what are the Agags in our life? What are the Agags in our lives? What are the things that we as believers that we need to put to death? Because there is none righteous, not even one. Look, one thing you don't do is you don't make yourself to be more righteous than anyone else. Because we are all of our unrighteousnesses are like filthy rags in the sight of God. Nobody's better than anybody else. Don't 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 make yourself out to be like that. And we all have those areas in our lives, in our lives that that we need to put to death. Come on, wave at me, wave at me, wave at me. We all we all we all have something. We all have something. People come to church, they look all good, and everybody's all polished. How you doing? Praise the Lord. How's things going? Well, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. But you got stuff. Because we all got. Yeah, we do. We all got stuff. So what is, here's the question, what is the stuff that we need to put to death? What is it? Could it be the insatiable desire for money? You need to put that to death. Hmm? Could it be time to put to death the bitterness and the unforgiveness in your heart? Could it be time to let go of that toxic, ungodly boyfriend or girlfriend? Could it be time for you to move out and get your own place? (laughs) Things that make you go, hmm. Some folks like to make excuses for their agags, don't they? Well, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. It's not my fault. Oh, that's a biggie nowadays. It's not my fault. It's my mama and them. It's not my fault. Well, I'm out here tearing up cities and, and looting Walmarts. It's not my fault. That's an agag. You need to put that to death. I'm better than I used to be. There's one. Everybody has their vices, excuses we're talking about. Some people think one little tiny agag once in a while won't really matter. You'll get that on the way home. Some people want to give the Lord everything except their little agag. The Lord says, wipe out your agag or your agag will wipe you out. That's the moral of the story, saints. Well, in chapter 3, verse 5, let's move forward a little bit. I told you we're going to do 10 chapters. I just didn't tell you we're getting out at quarter to two. (laughs) Chapter three, verse five. Mordecai, I'm just joking. Mordecai refuses to bow. Haman is angry. He's fuming. Haman goes to the magicians and the astrologers and he says, hey, I want to determine, just kind of peruse there with me. He says, he says, guys, I want to determine the best day to annihilate the Jewish people. What is the best day to have a genocide? Look at verse seven. 
So he goes, I know, isn't that kind of crazy? What's the best day to have a genocide? He goes to the king and he lies. He tells the king the Jews are a threat to the throne. Asherah gives him the seal of approval with authority to kill all the Jews, the king does. Look at Esther 3, 13. The Pony Express, riding through the kingdom with the message the date was set for the genocide of all Jews, men, women, children, young and old. Chapter 4, Mordecai hears about the genocide decree. He tears his clothes. He's dressed in rags. He puts ashes on his head. This is a sign of deep mourning. And when we hear, let me say this here, when we hear of a genocide, we should be sad. We should go into mourning. When we hear in our country of the genocide of babies, a million babies a year, Killed in our culture, murdered. That should make us sad. We should mourn. Why? Because God mourns. Saints, we got to be about the father's business. Now, when the Bible says that we ought to be about the father's business, sometimes we think, well, we need to be serving the Lord. We need to be working in the children's ministry. We need to be doing something in the church. That is true. But also about the father's business is being people of this book. Doing what God tells us to do and thinking like God tells us to think and bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and being the people of God and obeying the word of God, even when God's word says something contrary to what you and your agag think is important. That, that, that's, that's, that's what it means. That's what it means. That's what it means to be about the father's business that we got. What breaks God's heart must break your heart. And if it does not break your heart, then you should ask God why. What is the agag in me that's allowing me to be so complacent about what he says? That's what it means. And what breaks God's heart should break your heart. What God calls sin, you should call sin. Even if you have a problem with what, even if you're struggling with it, it's still sin. Just because you struggle with it doesn't make it any more right. It doesn't make it right. It just means you struggle with it. It just means you need to get victory. It just means that you need to hack your agag to death. Now, how are you going to do that? Well, talk to me at the service. I don't have time. It should break our heart when we hear of a genocide. Mordecai mourned openly, publicly at the mass, at the potential mass murder of the Jewish people. And it didn't take long for the news. Are y'all still with me? Say I'm with you, Pastor. It didn't take long for the news to reach Esther. She gets the message. Mordecai tells Esther, Haman is trying to kill the Jewish people. He says, Esther, you got to go to the king. And plead, we're in, we're in chapter four, four. you got to go to the king and plead for the lives of your people. Not so simple. Even for the queen, just to go before the king without proper personal invitation. If you did that, you could be killed. So if Esther goes and does this, she's breaking royal protocol and risking her life. 
chapter 4, verse 11. Now look at chapter 4, verse 13. Actually, verse 12. Chapter 4, verse 12. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do you think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews? For if you remain, Esther, completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise. Watch the saints for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish yet. Who knows whether you have come to this kingdom. Somebody read it with me for such a time as this. And then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan. And fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so, Esther said, I'll go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. Mordecai, saints, give me your attention, said Esther, you got to go You got to do something. And if you don't keep your pen, three things. If you don't, verse 12, number one, cousin, Queen Esther, if you don't, you won't escape if you do nothing. You're a Jew. And when March 7th, 473 B.C. rolls around, you are fair game like us. Number two, verse 14, Mordecai says, God is not limited by you or me. Nor will he allow his people to perish. He will use someone else to save the nation if necessary. Mordecai says, look, Esther, if you don't do anything, God will bring deliverance for the Jews another way, another place. Now, isn't that really true? You know, God is never hindered by man's unwillingness. God is never hindered by man's unwillingness. If you don't want to be used of God, God will accomplish his plan and purpose with someone else. With you or without you, you do not stop the plan and the purpose of God. Somebody say amen. If you don't want to be used by God, God will get the job done. And number three, Esther in verse 16, Mordecai says, cousin, This could explain why you won Miss Persia Empire contest. He said, Esther, maybe you won for such a time as this. Verse 16, Esther said, I'll go before the king. And if I perish, I perish. Esther was a smart woman. And she knew what was going on in the kingdom. She knew going in the presence of the king uninvited could mean death. She knew what happened to ex-queen Vashti. She knew her husband liked to drink and kill folk. Mordecai said, Esther, this is important and it's necessary and necessary, not only for your own personal survival, but for the people. And, you know, she took a risk. She took a step of faith. Are you still with me? She took a step of faith with no guarantee of outcome. Esther was the one chosen for such a time as this. From Genesis to Revelation, God sets his hand on one. Don't you understand God only needs one? Second Chronicles 16, 9. 
For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Isaiah chapter 6 in verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, What does it say, saints? Here I am, send me. God is always looking for one, not many. God doesn't need a great army. God doesn't need great numbers. God can do a great work with few. Remember Gideon, 450 prophets or 450 to one. Remember Samson, he killed 3,000 Philistines in his death. You know, I saw a bumper sticker that said the best man for the job is a woman. And in this case, that's true. But in most cases... The person for the job is anyone that will say, here I am, send me. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 Two nine three zero nine two three. That's one eight hundred two nine three zero nine two three. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light, and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you. Be salt and light.